this morning. I want to look in the book of 1 Peter uh, this week for our, our message, and uh, 1 Peter chapter number 5, to be specific, if you would turn there with me. Look over there for just a moment in consideration of um, humility and how that our humility is essential to our achieving our goals and making the things happen that we want to see happen in the church or in our own walk with the Lord, whatever it may be. And so I want to look at the importance of humility from 1 Peter chapter number 5, uh, beginning in verse number 1. We'll read, we'll read down through number 7 for our reading this week. The Bible says, the, the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that she shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. Now I'm going to stop there on verse number 3 for just a moment. This is probably one of the most misunderstood and misconstrued verses by elders in the church uh, because this is clarifying and telling us that it is not our responsibility as leaders in the church, as pastors, as deacons, as uh, Sunday school teachers, whatever it may be, it's not our responsibility to rule over God's heritage, over his people, over his flock, but rather to be examples of Christ to them, to show them and be a witness and example to them of him and his purposes and the things that he is. It goes on in verse 4 and it says, And then, and when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Verse number 5, Likewise ye younger submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, all of you be subject, subject to one to another. And be clothed with humility, for God resists, resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for another opportunity to be in your house. God, I thank you for all these folks that are here this morning. I pray that you'd bless them spiritually, mentally, physically, whatever their need is. I pray, God, that you'd help them. We, we love them. Uh, we pray, God, that you'd just bless them. Lord, we pray for this church. God, we pray that you'd just take this word and this lesson of humility to, for us to apply it to our lives and to our hearts. We love you and thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Now, I know that in your life you have seen, uh, you've seen people that are humble. You've seen people that show and, 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 and clearly show humility uh, in their walk with different people. Those people are all, sometimes a little more subtle. They don't stick out as much. They're, they're kind of behind the scenes. They're a little quieter. They're not uh, in your face as much because of the, the, the role of humility is the role of kind of taking a step back and getting yourself uh, out of the way and starting to lift other people up. And so we all want to be that type of person, I believe, in our Christian walk. I want to believe that. But it's easier to point out an arrogant person than it is a humble person. Because when someone is arrogant and when someone's cocky, when someone's kind of built up and lifted up in themselves, I, I just tell you what, like that bothers me. And I don't want to be that way, and I know you don't want to be that way. And I think about when I experienced that probably the most, and I remember in school playing sports. There was this one guy, and he thought he was the stuff. 
And, you know, when you're in school, you don't feel as, you don't feel like an adult, so you don't realize that, you know, we're all really small people. And, uh, but I, I never really was, but this, this guy was a little guy. And he kept messing with this one dude. And he kept messing with him. And we'd line up on special teams. And he, and they would say, uh, call, I mean, he even come up with his own nickname for himself. He called himself Smoke. That's how fast he was. And, uh, and so, uh, so he got, he got so arrogant. He'd get out there and you'd line up on special teams and he would call out the biggest guy's number. And, uh, and so we, we lined up for our special teams drill and he called my number out. And I thought, I'm going to wear this boy out. I'm going to make him never want to come back and play football again. And we go taking off, and that's the most injuries I've ever gotten were from special teams because you're just running as fast as you can at somebody and colliding. And we did. And I tell you what, I didn't knock him down like I thought I would. It's like, this guy, I'm going to really have to put forth some more effort. Both of our bells were rung, and I don't know that my ears have ever quit ringing since then. But he called out the guy beside me. And the guy beside me was the quiet guy. The guy beside me was the humble guy. The guy beside me was the guy that didn't make himself seem like he was anything. And he called that guy's number out, and I thought, this guy's cornbread. I'm talking beef fed just like anybody else from out in the country. And this is the quiet guy. This is the strong guy. This is the guy that you don't want to get in a tangle with. And they hit each other, and he broke Smoke's collarbone. I'm talking snapped it in half. I heard it. And uh, he wasn't that arrogant after that. And I tell that story because I think about that kind of mindset that you think that you can just take anybody on. You can take the world on. You think that you can just go at anybody and knock them down and put them down and show that you're powerful, more powerful than anybody. And sometimes we get taught a lesson. And sometimes that lesson means a trip to the, to the ER. Sometimes that lesson means spending some time on the sidelines. Sometimes that lesson that we have to learn in our own life has to, has to be something that's not exactly what we want to go through, but it teaches us that maybe we're a little bit more arrogant than we should be. And I think about that guy, and I think about how he came back, and he didn't call out anybody's number after that. He didn't want to run into anybody after that. He, didn't, he, he was scared to play, actually. His, his, his performance went down because he was, he was scared of getting hit after that. You know, we put ourselves in these positions in our lives by lifting ourselves up and building ourselves up rather than building other people up. And I think in the church house, I know that we're not running to each other and hitting each other head on uh, like you do on the football field. But I think about in the church house how that our, our working together is vital. It is vital that we are humble, are humbling ourselves, that we are putting ourselves b b behind others and putting others before us. And so I think here in 1 Peter, you see that very evidently God's plan for the humble. If we want to work together for the cause of Christ, if we want to have true happiness in our lives, I don't believe that you can start experiencing the type of joy and happiness that God wants you to have unless you humble yourself, unless you let God move yourself out of the way, put your desires and wants out of the way and start to, to say, you know, I'm going to lift other people up before me. I'm going to lift God up before me. I'm going to put this word up before me. I'm going to purpose things in my life uh, and put those things in my life that are eternal in front of the things that I want to do, that I want to enjoy. And so we see some lessons here in verse number five. It says, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. The first thing about humble people is that they submit themselves to elders. 
Now, in this context, I believe this is talking about uh, the age of someone, so someone that's older than you, but we know that elders can also apply to uh, people that are in different positions, the, the pastor or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or whatever it may be, someone who's, who's uh, you know, more experienced in the faith. And so the, the responsibility, the example of humility in the younger is that, that that responsibility for them is that that will take form in submission. And I'm not, there's, a, there's something that people get scared about when they hear the word submission. They think, well, I'm not, I am not submitting to anyone. I'm not listening to anyone. I'm not, nobody's going to tell me what to do. And that's not what this is talking about. It's not saying, it's not giving you a master because we know that the Bible just said to feed the flock. And then in verse 4 it said, neither is being lords over God's heritage. So a good elder, a good leader for you spiritually is not going to try to rule you or try to reign your life. That's not their responsibility. If they're doing that, that's not the right thing for them to do. But it is important that you submit to them and their leadership and that takes you humbling yourself. That takes me humbling myself. That takes me saying, you know what? There are people that have been on this earth longer than I have. There are people that have been on this earth three times longer than I have, two times longer than I have, that have been on this earth a whole lot longer than I've been here to even know they, that before I even go some, through something, they went through it 50 years ago. They went through it 20 years ago, and they know what I'm experiencing. They know what I'm facing. As we talked about in Sunday school, sin stays the same. It's the same junk, different day. It's the same story, different time. It's the same uh, temptation, but it's on a different platform. And we know that that's the nature of sin. It just changes uh, what platform it presents itself in. And uh, we know we live in a day where a lot of it is, is electronically. And it's what you, you choose to do with it. You can make it your master. Or you could submit and say, God, I want you to take something and make it good, uh, whatever it may be. I love the fact that I can have my notes here on my iPad and have that in front of me and, and, and keep all my notes right there. And I can update it on my phone. I can update it on my iPad. I can update it on my computer. But if I don't, uh, if, but if I start uh, putting myself first and my desires first, I could uh, have the wrong type of uh, relationship with the electronics. I could spend all my time on the electronics. I could spend all my time on Facebook and trying to learn what everybody's dealing through or looking at the recipes that they're sharing, following that kind of stuff. That's not stuff that's going to uh, long-term benefit me if I let that control my life. I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm just saying that it's important that we realize and recognize that we're being presented sin, especially as young people. The way that what we're facing is so insane. Uh, the way that, that the world, uh, and I've said it many, many times, the way the world has access to us, if you, especially younger people that are connected in all kinds of different ways. Uh, have you ever been just thinking about buying something and you pull up Facebook and there's an ad for it on Facebook? I'm like, that's not cool. I don't like that. I, I'm scared of that. Or you look at, look up something on online and you you're, put it in your Amazon cart and then there's an ad for it uh, online somewhere. That's scary stuff. That's crazy stuff. The devil utilizes that and uses that to present sin to us. We are, we are, he wants to destroy the younger generation of people because if he can corrupt us, he can corrupt the next generation. If he can prevent us uh, from, from serving God, he can prevent the next generation from serving God. If he can get in there and he can make us think that what he has to offer is something uh, worth having, all, all, all he has to do is just put something in front of us. Just, just put it in front of us, and if we're not disciplined with it, we will just we'll, we'll live in it. I don't know what that come from, but anyway. The humble, they submit themselves to the elders. And this is something that 
I always had, I remember in, uh, we, when I was in uh, probably middle school, somewhere in there, I had a Sunday school teacher. And I had a hard time with him because I felt like that when I went in that classroom that he was just like just trying to push me and, and just push my buttons. And, my, and, and, I, and I finally told him one day, I was like, you, listen, you're not my dad. You are not my dad. I told him on the front step of that church, church in front of everybody. You're not my dad. And I was going through a lot at that point in time in my life. Man, I remember not too long going after that that something come up and he was there for me. And I realized that there is a reason that there's somebody older than me in this position trying to prevent me from doing something I shouldn't do. And I had to apologize to him for that, that attitude that I have. You know, I'm afraid that so many people, they see preachers or they see deacons or they see somebody that goes to church and they're threatened by their eldership, they're threatened by their position, they're threatened by their age because they're just going to tell me how to live my life. And I don't want to hear that. But if that's the attitude you have, you're, you're living contrary to God's word right here. And I, I hate that it's that way. But there are people upon this earth that God gives wisdom and knowledge to so that he can share it with us so that we can live a better life. And that's the role. And it's important that, 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 that humility, that statement, humility in the younger takes form as submission. Now, if somebody is older and they lead you astray and they lead you wrong and, they, and you, follow, you, you try to submit to, to them and try to follow their, their guidance and they take you the wrong way, that's on them. That's their fault. That's their mistake. Now, I believe that as Christians, we have the discernment to know from the beginning when some people will lead us wrong. Because there are triggers and there are things about people that you'll know. I don't care if this guy is 98 years old, walked on this earth since Methuselah was living. I ain't going to follow this guy because I can tell up front that he's not somebody worth following. But I'll tell you, I've got people that were elders that I followed and they let me down. They let others down. They let, and I'm, I'm, so I'm not saying that, that that doesn't happen. But humility for younger people, it takes form and submission to people that they've walked through this fire. They've walked through this, these trials. They've walked through these troubles. Shelby and I, we, we, we spend a little bit more time with older people. No offense to younger people, but I'll tell you what. There's something about somebody that's made it, through, made it to 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, they, they've lived and survived through this world. I like to be around those kind of people because I know they can share things with me that can help me get through. And therefore, I could share with you that may help you get through. But submission, it's not always a, a bad thing. Don't submit to, to people that are trying to control you and tell you exactly what you have to do. And if you don't do this, you're going to die and go to hell. Don't submit to that. Because the Bible says that, that the elders and the leaders, they are not to be lords over God's heritage. But those that do seek to guide you in the right way, humble yourself. Listen to them. So elders, though, there, there's a responsibility for elders and for everyone. It says, verse number 5, it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject to one another. So not only is humility brought out and shown and, and, and important with, with elders, two elders, but with everyone else. It's important that the elders submit to the others because, you know what, they may, have, they may not have the time to deal with somebody else. They may not have the, 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 the time to want to talk about something or listen to something or, or try, to, try to deal with something somebody's going through, but it's important that, that we put the, as, as elders, as leaders, whether it's by age or it's by position, that you put someone, someone else's priority or someone else's uh, difficult 
uncertainty that they're going through in their life first. And that's the problem I think people have is that we don't put each other first. When you start putting people first, it, it just changes everything. It just absolutely changes everything because you stop thinking about, well, you know, I got to get out of here and I got to run and I got to go and I got to go do this and go do that. And you start thinking about how can I help them? What can I do to, with, with them? What can I listen to uh, that they're going through that may be able to benefit them, that I, maybe a, an ex, something I've went through that could, could benefit them? And understanding elders, leaders, older folks, that younger people, they can serve the Lord. That blows some people's mind. And I remember, I don't know if it was the day of, it was either the Sunday morning that I announced my call to preach or the, the Sunday before. But I think, I, 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 I'm not, I've been thinking all week trying to remember, but I think it was the Sunday morning that I announced my call to preach because it was on a Thursday evening. I called my grandfather, talked to him. It was a Friday morning. I called my pastor and talked to him. I believe it was that Sunday morning. doesn't matter, but I'm just, for example. My Sunday school teacher got up behind the, his little thing, box, pulpit thing, and uh, box, uh, and got up behind it, and he said, you know, I just, I don't know about a young person being called to preach. I just don't know. I think that you got to live through life a little bit more before God will call you to preach and use you. And I'm, th I'm thinking, well, you're about to have a rude awakening here in about 20 minutes because, son, I'm on fire. i got to tell everybody what God's done in my life. And I remember how it didn't affect me bad, like in a negative way at that point in time, but I did remember thinking later on, Man, I'm really let down. Because y'all have seen his face when I got up there behind the pulpit after Sunday school and I announced that. It's like, oh man, I shouldn't have said that. Well, of course, because as an elder, as a leader, as an older person in the faith, it's important that you submit yourselves to the others to realize that God will use who he wants to use. And I'm not trying to lift myself up in that, but it's important that, that as you get along and you're, if you're a 20-year-old spiritual Christian, if you're a 75-year-old woman, if you're an 89-year-old man, if you're whatever, if you, whatever it is that you, however long you've been on this earth, that doesn't mean that it's not important that you realize and recognize that there are people on this earth that they're just trying to get through what you went through 60 years ago. They're just trying to experience and trying to figure out what it is in this walk, in this life, that, that they need to do to get through. And if you don't point them to Christ, who else will? Because I tell you, there's not a lot of other young people that are looking out for each other. It's just the peer pressure. It's just the, hey, do this. Go ahead. Follow along. Do, do what I tell you to do. I was so guilty of that. I can't tell you how many times I walked to my truck walking out of Ingalls there in Weaverville and I walked to my truck and it was somebody that stopped me with a joint or somebody that stopped me with, with something that, that was going to distract me and cause me to do something wrong. Or, and it wasn't their fault. I fell into it, but it was they were my age. And I'm like, well, they're doing it. Why don't I fall into that? Why don't I do that? Why don't I follow their example? They're my age and making the same decisions. We weren't submitting ourselves to the elders and looking at the people that were examples that would tell us that that didn't work out, that that lifestyle wasn't what we should live. So we're just relying on each other and we put our faith in the wrong spot. And so it's important to realize that if, we, if we're submitting to others, what that means is that the elders, they're coming down and they're trying to reach the young people. They're trying to put, you're willing to put yourself as an elder, whether it's by position or by age, you're willing to put yourself on that level of what they're going through. And I'm afraid too many people have a problem thinking about that they remembering when they've ever done wrong. That's 
something we could talk about for 40 minutes, but too many people don't think about when they used to fall into something, when they used to sin, when they used to mess up. I've told you since I, since I came here, I am, I will, I'm, I'm, I'm up front about stuff. I'm sinful. I'm not going to stand up here and try to tell you that I don't do wrong, that I don't sin, that I don't still sin. I don't do what I used to do. Thankfully, God's brought me out of those kind of things that I used to be in. But I'm not going to stand here and tell you that I'm not sinful. Because you know what? When you sin, if you think that I don't sin, why in the world would you come to me looking for a guidance and leadership? Because, you, I mean, the first thing that's going to come to your mind, well, he doesn't sin. He's the preacher. He's the preacher. He don't sin. I tell you, there's a lot of people that have built their ministries on making people think, people think that they're perfect. And that's not the way God intended it to be. It's important to be up front with, hey, I know what you're going through. I know what you're dealing with. We have to humble ourselves to the point where we can admit that we are sinful too as Christians. Why would anyone want to come to the cross, at, to Calvary, and, and, and get to know Jesus and get saved and believe in something that's, that's going to change their life forever if we can't be transparent and clear about the fact that God brought us out of filth, he brought us out of, of just a pit, a mess, uh, I, I, can't, I can't handle that. We have to humble ourselves and realize that we were saved from the same hell that anybody else has been saved from. Humility in the elder, it takes form as service. Humility in the younger takes form of submission. Humility in the elder, humility in the younger takes form of submission. Humility in the elder takes form as service. What does that mean? That means realizing, realizing and seeing that there's somebody out there that your story might be able to help, that your testimony might be able to help. There are people that you can reach that I may not be able to reach. There are people that you can share what you've went through in your life and they will be blessed by it when they can sit here and listen to me for 40 minutes and they, they won't hear a word because you know them. You've been through something with them. They know you. They trust you. They've seen how you live and how you walk. Some people that makes jealous. Some people think that, well, if, it, if it's not a Sunday morning in church and son, it's not a screaming, shouting meeting and, and the altar's not full, you can't get to know the Lord. That's not the case. I know I know, I know, most people I know got saved outside of church. Got to know the Lord outside of church in tobacco patches and hay fields and in the woods. And hey, you know, I, I don't, my church ain't in the field. My church ain't in the, ain't in the woods. But, uh, but God, that doesn't mean God's not there. It's important to humble ourselves and realize that we're, what, what are we building up ourselves on? What are, are we building ourselves up on the fact that, well, you know, I, I'm saved and now I want to make, my church, I want to make my prerogative, I want to make my agenda the only way to heaven. I'm going to, this is, this is the only way you're going to get there. Is if you believe like me, if you do like me, if you think like me. Now, I believe if you believe right, then you're probably true in saying you got to believe this way unless, or else you're not going to go to heaven. But you got to, you know, it comes back to accepting Christ. It comes back to repenting of your sins. It comes back to asking him into your heart. And as an elder, as a leader, as an older person in the faith, as a person who's lived and walked through this earth, it's important that your form of service comes down to you trying to help the next generation coming up. It's important that as an elder, it's you coming and saying, you know what, that was me 40 years ago. 
I'm going to get down, and I'm going to get down to that level, and I'm going to try to serve them. This led me to a story about D.L. Moody, one of the most famous evangelists in the world in the 1800s. The story says people came from around the world to attend his Bible conferences in Northfield, Massachusetts. One year, a large group of pastors from Europe were among the attendees. They were given rooms in the dormitory of the Bible school, as was the custom in Europe. The men put their shoes outside of the door of their room, expecting them to be cleaned and polished by the servants during the night. Snooty Europeans. Because, of course, there were no servants in the American dorm. But as, Moody, but as Moody was walking through the halls and praying for his guest, he saw the shoes and realized what had happened. He mentioned the problem to a few of his students, but none of them offered to help. Without another word, the great evangelist gathered up the shoes and took them back to his own room where he could begin to clean and polish each pair. Moody told no one what he had done, but a friend who interrupted him in the middle of shining the shoes and helped him finish the task later told the story of what had happened. Despite the praise and fame he received because of God's blessing of his life and his ministry, Moody remained a humble man. Jesus Christ, the Son of God and King of Heaven, had the right to honor, praise, and worship, yet to be our Savior, he laid all of his privileges aside and became a lowly servant. We often hear how people talk of living as Jesus lived, and while he truly is the model for us to follow, many who speak of following him are unwilling to give up their rights and reflect his humility. We will never be like Jesus unless we are humble and lowly. And, you know, I think about that story, and I think about how beautiful that is, that someone who could be puffed up and build up in himself and just conceited in who he was, was willing to go and clean the shoes of those men. He could have rebuked them and said, well, this is not how we do things. This is not how we do things here. We don't have, you know, we don't pay servants here to clean your shoes. But rather, he took that role of humility and said, I don't care if I'm the, the most popular man on this planet. I will submit myself like Christ did. And that's what it comes back to is like Christ did. People talk about the word Christian means Christ-like, means living like Christ, being like Christ, walking like Christ, acting like Christ. And I'm afraid that unfortunately in too many cases that's not true of someone's life. There's so many Christians that that is not true of their life. But if you want to be Christ-like, humble yourself. Humble yourself to elders, to those that are in a position or those that have lived, who have walked, who have been through things. They're not just old fogies trying to tell you how to live your life. I think about all the times I've spent with my grandparents, both sets of my grandparents, just talking about life, talking about things, and that means the world to me. And I think about now, here I am, I'm at this point where I could just say, well, I don't need them anymore. Just keep on going and just leave it. Leave it be, but man, it's such a treasure to have that. To have someone who's been through this in your life. And I think about my, my little granny Fender, 97 years old. I, last time I got to see her before she got real bad sick, I went to go see her at the nursing home up here, Mars Hill. And I remember sitting there for close to an hour and just talking about life and how that at 97 years old, what she had was just reflection on life. 
And she told me, she said, live for the Lord and put him first. You know what that is? If I take that and I submit to that, I will listen to her and I will walk hopefully through my life and live for the Lord. That's my form of submission. So I'm willing to say she knows better than I do because she's been through this walk in my life. This walk I've been through, she's been through it. 97 years of it. But you know what? That's her form as an elder of service to me because she knows what this world brings. She knows what I'm going to walk through. And to bless me with that, what I believe she was doing is she was serving everyone else, like this verse says. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. That means old to the young, young to the old. Left, right, white, left, green, blue, black, whatever. Submit yourselves to others. What this is talking about, this is Christians. This is talking about the flock. Brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what it comes back to, regardless of whatever, whatever the difference may be. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Submitting to the elder, submitting to everyone else. Submitting as our form, that's our form for the younger. That's our form of humility is submission. For the elder, service to the younger, to everyone else. It goes on and we see the submission to the elders. We see submission to everyone else. But then look in verse number 6, it says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. The Hebrew name for the Almighty, El Shaddai. Submit yourselves to the Almighty. That's, that's like the key to life there. And you know what? If we can submit ourselves to the elders, if we can submit ourselves to everyone else, if we can submit ourselves to El Shaddai, God Almighty, we will walk through this life with joy and peace and happiness. We can live a life that, that is filled with things that we would never imagine. We can have peace and chaos. We can have hope and, uh, and, and pandemic, we, pandemic, pandemic, pandemic. We can have Exactly what God desires us to have if we work together in these three areas. And it all comes back from humbling ourselves. People have a hard time humbling themselves and getting their ego out of the way. People have a hard time humbling themselves to and submitting to elders. People have a hard time as elders sometimes submitting themselves and, and, and serving others. But it's very, very important to humble yourself before God. Because it says there... The mighty hand of God. Therefore, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. If you recognize his position as the Almighty and you humble yourself to that and to him, he will lift you up. The greatest thing to see is somebody that's been exalted by Christ. That is, that's tremendous to see that in a, in, a, in a human being's life. To be able to achieve that, to be able to see that take place, that's beautiful. And to think about that, it, it supersedes all you can achieve with money, all you can achieve with possessions, all you can achieve with anything in this life that you can go get yourself. If you can submit to God Almighty, He will lift you up. He will pick you up. He will exalt you. And it says, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. He loves us. He treasures us. What a, what a blessing that is. People that, that do wrong and sin, and, and just 
sometimes treat him like a spare tire. Put him on the back burner. Only pull him out when we, when we need him. But he still loves us and he cares for us. And he wants to lift us up. You say, well, I can't submit myself to other people because they, they just don't know, they don't have my best interest in mind. I can't submit myself to other people because they don't know as much as I do. Why don't you try submitting yourself to God and then it'll be a lot easier to submit to other people. I don't do as much as I should with my submission to other people because I do put my needs first. I think we all do. And that's probably my first excuse in a lot of things. Well, I, 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 I. And then sometimes it's we. I'm like sand ballot. Sometimes I got to get a, uh, I got to get a team together, so I feel confirmed and affirmed by my own wrongdoing. We need this, or we believe this, or we're on this stance of that. But when we think about all of the accomplishments we can have in our life. It really, we can build ourselves up as much as we, as much as our, our human flesh can achieve. And at the end of the day, it's not worth anything. A.W. Tozer said, I must point out here that self has done many good things in this world. It has built hospitals, orphanages, fed the hungry, and clothed the poor. Self has been busy, busy doing many good works. But the problem with these good works is that self requires the glory for all of these things. To think about self and us you know when that baby comes that's my baby look at what I created look at what look what I made look what I've got Shelby you had a part in it too I won't I won't discredit that that's my son but I've also been praying about dedicating him to the Lord and taking time here and having a moment where we could dedicate him to God and then you start thinking about, no, that's, that's his child that he blessed me with. That's his daughter that he allowed me to marry. That's his daughter that he made my mother. You're his brother, or you're his son, you're his daughter that he allows me to be family with. What a blessing that is. Why would I not want to humble myself to that and say, you know what? If we start looking at things more like family, things get better. Because I don't know about you, but every once in a while, my family gets on my last nerve. But I know every once in a while, I get on their last nerve. And I know we don't always see eye to eye, but at the end of the day, I know we love one another. We've got to start looking because we, we know this world, it's not eternal. It is, and that, time, that clock is ticking. Going down, I told, mom, I told Mom and Shelby on the way over here this morning, I said, yeah, we heard about the earthquake. I said, all the end times, people are going to be losing their mind. You know, and, but you think about it, the Bible does tell us that there will be these things that take place, these things that, that, that are going to happen that are signs of the end. And we know that you don't get this kind of love that you get in church. You don't get that down the street. You don't get that at the restaurant. You don't get that at your workplace. I sure don't. I know you don't. You might. If you do, that's great. But you don't get that out there in the world. That's something that's reserved for God's house and his fellowship one with another. Why would we not humble ourselves and be more like that family that God intended us to be like? Humble ourselves to the elders, those that are more experienced than us. Submit to them. Elders, serve everyone else. I believe we do. I'm just, that's what the Bible says. But humble ourselves to God Almighty. 
And if you find that you can't humble yourselves to other people, he will make it happen for you. You don't want him to do, do the humble, humbling work. He's had to break me down a few times, and I don't like that. But submit in those areas. And he will make us into what he wants us to be. And we'll have an easier time loving one another. I think about that service and the other night <clears throat> at, a, at our baby shower. We sat down and the gifts were brought out. And so many people brought us so many good gifts. And I think about, I, was, I mentioned my granny Fender. And how the, the elders form of, ser, form of humility is through service to other people. And you know, her house burned down last year. We lost everything that, that she had. She lost every single thing, possession, aside, you know, the garage is there, the barn's there, but all that, just all those memories, all those things are just gone. And the other night, they, my Aunt Marilyn presented to me and Shelby a quilt that my granny started and had given to her for the baby. Well, it wasn't for the baby at first, but she had, my granny had started, she would hand-stitched it. She'd given it to my Aunt Marilyn. My Nana was talking to my Aunt Marilyn, and she said, I know what we're going to give Josh, Shelby. And it was that quilt that my granny started, and my Aunt Marilyn finished it. How special is that? I know it's an earthly possession, but that form of service, even though the house isn't there, even though my granny's not here anymore, even though we've got family and loved ones that's not in good health, God is using those that have come before us to bless my family and bless this little one that will never know my granny on this side. What a blessing that is that through, through that service, through that humility, God can send something that just brings this sort of peace to us to think, you know, I've got this one thing that God's blessed me with that I can hold on to, that I can treasure, that, that I can pass down. That can be such a blessing, even though it might not mean much to anyone else. It means the world to me. That's the type of stuff that just makes a difference. And he wants to do that for you in your life. Pray that God will bless you in this week. That A.W. Tozer quote that I just read, the book was called The Crucified Life. And I think about that from time to time. And I think about what that means, the crucified life. And that means living a life like Jesus. Not just saying it, not just having it on a bracelet, not just wearing it around your neck, not just carrying your Bible in the right form and fashion so you look like something, but walking and living crucified. Appreciate your time. Is anyone